Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Well, right now, let's talk to Nadim Zahawi. He's the Minister for Business and Industry and joins us now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Well, look, look we, we're going to talk about a, a rebuilding and what's happening with the economy in just a moment. First up, let's talk about that local lockdown in Leicester, um, the prospect of possibly more on the way. We now know that there's been a, a spike in cases uh, in June in Birmingham as a result, they think, of the Black Lives Matter protests. Are you, as a government, are you confident that we, we should be turning our attention to dealing with the economic fallout right now rather than uh, just re-stressing again and again and again the need for people to obey the social distancing rules as we come out of lockdown. I think you raise a very important point, Julian. You're absolutely right to say that we have to remain alert. The Prime Minister said it yesterday. It's like a shark circling. This virus hasn't gone away. It's still in our communities. Um, the test and trace system is working. So 75% of people who are uh, testing positive are engaging with test and trace. In the last three weeks, 100,000 people have effectively been warned and have isolated and been taken out of the sort of the ability to spread the virus uh, in communities, which I think is a really good thing. Test and trace allows to um, you know, basically identify spikes early and then act upon them. We had that in Western Supermare and we dealt with it with the local leadership there. Local authorities up and down the country have got local plans of dealing with this. Obviously, in uh, Leicester City and Leicestershire County, um, Matt Hancock, the Secretary of State for Health, um, 11 days ago highlighted Leicester as a spike. We've sent in four mobile units to ramp up testing. We've sent tests to people's homes, tests on the shop floor, tests in the workplace, testing uh, children at school. Hence why we've had to take the measures we've taken to bring the virus under control, because what we want to do is always remain ahead of the virus so that we can reopen the economy. Uh, you're right, this is all about lives and protecting lives, but it's also about livelihoods, uh, uh, Julia. It's important that we make the investment. So uh, the Prime Minister announced five billion pounds and to demonstrate that actually it's about making sure we can get businesses going, whether in construction, whether in the green economy with hydrogen and nuclear and renewables, to make sure that the recovery is as robust as we can make it. You mentioned Andy Haldane of the Bank of England talking about 
a V-shaped recovery. Well, that will happen if we focus on skills and you know what skills do we need for the future jobs that are being created in the economy. We focus on the interventions we make. Rishi Sunak wrapped his arms around the economy, protecting jobs with all the interventions he made. You know, over nine million people getting a wage packet for eight months until October uh, on furlough. Um, you know, millions of people are, who are self-employed getting the help they need bounce back scheme with you know, 50,000 pounds for the smallest businesses up to 50,000 okay. in 100% guaranteed loan. So a lot of work is, is taking place. You know, the Secretary of State at Business is announcing the R&D uh, roadmap today. We've got a, a really big, ambitious plan, 22 billion pounds a year of R&D spend by 2024. It's currently at 12 billion, by the way. So it's a massive, massive increase ahead of probably every other country around the world. Very important so that the recovery is dynamic as we can make it. Okay. Yes, we entered, okay, we we entered have... this. Sorry, I was just going to say we entered this this pandemic with near full employment, but obviously now many companies. We I've been speaking to Airbus, of course. Yes, well, gonna come, I will come on to that. I, I absolutely want to talk about that. You know, the, the positive things that are happening. Uh, we, we're very much about that here on Talk Radio. We you know I mean, it's not all doom and gloom. We've got to look at that. But I do, I do just want to ask you. You talk about research and development and innovation and the like. Um, the t- today, the first of July, is the time when the Boris Johnson had pledged to process all coronavirus tests within 24 hours. And we know that's absolutely crucial about dealing with spikes and getting our, our economy can only rebound bounce back if we don't have a second wave and if we are able to contain the virus and local lockdowns are going to be part of that but that only really works if we've got the full information um are we going to be seeing as of today that every single test result is turned around within 24 hours well that's uh, you know what we want to make sure happen in terms of the uh, data release is that the statistics have to be robust we're working with the uk statistics authority to make sure that whatever we released is absolutely robust. And you know, they were challenging to us a few weeks ago to say, you know, we need the, the, the data. We're working with them on that. The worst thing you can do is, is publish uh, bad data in, in, in my view, which is why we've got to make sure the data is robust. Uh, to the Prime Minister's pledge, he's absolutely right. We want to get um, to make sure that the test results are back within 24 hours. Well, will they uh, be? I mean, today is, he said by the end of June, it's the 1st of July. Yes. And, and as it yes. was, it, we discovered that that didn't include postal kits or those well, centre care yes. homes. And that and yes. that's a third of the total. Anyway. So he only has to get two thirds of them. Really, you have to be fair. He did He did actually say very clearly, he, the caveat on this was the postal kits, because obviously you don't know when people will repost them back. Yeah, and fair enough, yeah. So, so, and you're right, you're, you're right, because you're a fair person, uh, Julia, to say that's about a one third of the actual testing uh, capacity. Um, but, you know, ultimately we want to make sure that the testing uh, is as, you know, scaled and as robust we can make it. It's currently running at about 230,000 tests a day. That's probably one of the highest, you know, puts us in the Premier League of Nations for testing. It's been a remarkable effort from both uh, you know, uh, Public Health England, NHS, and of course, uh, labs up and down the country. Um, we want to make sure that continues. That's how we're picking up spikes okay. when or elsewhere. Well, that's the thing. We've got, we've got to pick those up. But look, let, let's go back again to what the Prime Minister was announcing yesterday. Five billion pounds. A lot of people saying a drop in the ocean. We had a Tory MP on the show yesterday pointing out he could spend five billion on infrastructure in his own constituency and not have any change lost left. But next week, Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, is supposed to have a big announcement. Effectively, but a new sort of mini budget when we are expecting to hear an awful lot more. But what sort of help will there be for, for instance, and you touched on this at airlines, this uh, EasyJet and Airbus announcing huge job, job losses, the Ryan 
Ryanair chief uh, Michael O'Leary, by the way, has just announced he's taken a 50% pay cut. I think it's probably he's probably still get by. He can probably afford his loo roll, can't he, on um, whatever pay he is getting. Um, but um, there's lots of talk that actually we need really specific measures for specific uh, sectors. So like uh, the airline sector, like retail, like the leisure sector, which hasn't been forthcoming yet. So what we have put in is £134 billion of help to business. You mentioned the five billion yesterday the Prime Minister talked about. Uh, and the Prime Minister was setting out what we're doing for schools and for further education in terms of the repairs that the colleges need and the schools need, and of course for hospitals. But the five billion, Julia, it's really important, is part of 640 billion over this parliament. So 120 billion a year of investment in our economy to produce that green economy that you know vibrant economy of the future whether it's in aerospace and aviation which is a really you know really strong industry in the uk we want to maintain it i'm working with airbus to mitigate the uh, job losses so if you look at the package for the aviation industry currently in the uk new money that we've injected is about six billion pounds between the bank of england and UK export finance, £6 billion into the industry. Other nations have done uh, other things. We're working with the industry to see what more we need to do. We've announced, I have announced £300 million in the future flight challenge. The Prime Minister talked about wanting a, a long-haul flight that is zero emissions, you know, fly zero, fly zero I think, is, is the thing that he uh, uh, called it, rightly so. I think we can do it in the UK by bringing all stakeholders together. So there's a massive investment. This is part of a £640 billion investment over the next five years, not just the £5 billion. Okay. Two weeks ago, Julia, we announced the UK Infrastructure Authority announced £37 billion in the next 12 months of infrastructure spend, you know, shovel-ready projects up and down the country. Hardly got a mention, hardly got a headline. That's £37 billion in the next 12 months. And you're going to hear more from Rishi Sunak uh, soon as to what the interventions will look like and, and, and to make sure the recovery is as dynamic and robust as we can make it. OK, well, uh, let's also talk about something which, again, I've, I'm, I'm bemused has been in so much in the news uh, when we've been dealing with a pandemic and dealing with an economic crisis, and that's Black Lives Matter. We've seen the Premier League row back on their support for Black Lives Matter, pointing out, oh, having the slogan on the T-shirts, it's about the slogan, it's not about the organisation. Keir Starmer, who took the knee along with the, every Premiership player uh, doing so uh, and, and, and uh, supporting Black Lives Matter, also rowing back. Um, do you think it's been a mistake for people People to support uh, the slogan and all the organisation? Well, I think uh, for me, uh, what Black Lives Matter is about is equalities of, of opportunity. Uh, it is the same for Boris Johnson. It's the same for Rishi Sunak, for Alok Sharma, for Kemi Badenoch, who's leading on this issue for us, uh, a brilliant rising star in the Conservative Party, uh, Kemi is. Uh, what it's about is not just slogans. It's about making sure that opportunities are spread equally. Talent in the UK is spread equally. There's some amazing people doing amazing things from the black community. I spoke to black entrepreneurs with The Voice uh, uh, magazine. 500 of them uh, turned up for a webinar on a call with me to talk about the government interventions, how, how we can help them uh, you know, try and get through the pandemic and also grow their businesses. So for me, but setting aside the slogans, setting aside, you know, all of that, what really matters is people uh, of black and, you know, 
other ethnic minorities, like my family, when we came to the United Kingdom in 1978, this country afforded us two great gifts. One is the gift of opportunity, and the second is freedom. We came from a country fleeing Saddam Hussein, and this country has incredible, incredible opportunities for people, but we need to get better at it. It's, it's, it's improved since the 70s and the 80s and 90s, and it continues to improve under a conservative government because we're serious about it. The number 10 disparity audit and the unit there that is focused and now with okay. Mira so, on so was it a sure mistake, was it a mistake for the Premier League to have that slogan on their shirts? No, I don't think it's a mistake. I think, look, you know, football players and we've had you know, terrible incidents of racism in football, both domestically and internationally. You know, when the England team has played uh, overseas, including sadly you know, in, in Europe, there's been terrible abuse of our players. Raheem Sterling and others have suffered from it. And even before that, you know, John Barnes, as, as I remember as, as a kid, you know, uh, seeing him as a, as a great icon, um, and he suffered terribly from from uh, abuse, uh, racist uh, uh, abuse and discrimination. So it, it clearly is something that the Premier League okay. needs to embrace and do something about. But what's really important is not just the slogan. It's, look, what are you going to do to make sure those opportunities, you know, young black men and women, their parents will be listening to your program now saying, you know what? What I want for my son and daughter is a job. I want them to have a career. I want them to have a really good school to go to. These are the things that Boris Johnson is focusing on. Online, on DAV, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. 
thousands more job losses being announced uh, by uh, this EasyJet and by Airbus. Uh, Airbus saying they're planning to cut 15,000 jobs as they deal with the effects of the coronavirus crisis. Uh, that's 1,700 in the UK. Uh, and also a huge number of jobs uh, going uh, with the airline industry. EasyJet, just the latest to say they're going to be closing a number of their hubs. Let's talk to Jim McMahon now, Labour MP and their Shadow Transport Secretary. Good morning to you, Jim. Good morning. Good morning. There's no doubt at all. I mean, the, this is just, you know, almost you know, just the start of the huge number of job losses we are going to be hearing about. And we know that the travel industry, so leisure and retail are the hardest hit. But the travel industry continuing to be a much harder hit than many would perhaps expected because of the, the lack of, uh, as well, lack of detail, a lack of solidity in terms of when we can and can't fly and, and who we can fly with and who to. Well, and that's firmly at the door of government, isn't it? So at a time when we're in a global pandemic, uh, when our economy has been hit really hard, what we need is a really clear plan, a plan both to deal with the immediacy of the financial crisis that we are seeing in aviation, but also how we're going to unlock and how we're going to rebuild going forward. And it's that where the government have really failed the industry. So we were promised that there would be a deal brought forward that would rescue aviation and allow it to be part of the rebuilding of the economy going forward. We waited. And then we waited and then we waited and nothing came. And so what we did was to say, well, actually, this could be a framework of a deal from the opposition to try and work together in the national interest to support tens of thousands of jobs in the economy. Well, that's it. And I'm afraid the government just didn't take it up. Listen, we know Balpa, the, the pilots union, have said, you know, we need a strategic thinking here instead of letting airlines you drop people again and again. And again, you may well be able to close a shop, cut, you know, cut a number of staff at a high street store and then be able to rehire those people back. But rather different to be able to do that with highly trained pilots uh, and, and the staff involved with, uh, you know, making aeroplanes. Aer- like, these are highly skilled technical Absolutely. jobs. And, and these these people, will you, you lose those skills forever if they're out of work. Um, but also, of course, the age aviation industry a lot of us think about it as you know i've been obsessed with oh i want to go on holiday i want to be able to get on a plane and go somewhere and sit on a beach um but that's not just what the aviation industry is about it's not just about tourism is it? it's a huge part of our import export business and a huge part of our economy it's also actually the way that most high value goods come into this country uh, by air so it's really important in terms of getting the economy back up and running you know manufacturing engineering pharmaceuticals uh, actually how we're just going to get ppe into the country that's coming by air generally uh, and I think it's really important to bear in mind that alongside the jobs actually in the airport and on the aircraft, within our economy, there's 1.5 million people uh, whose jobs are supported through aviation. You know, So we see uh, jobs being announced uh, for redundancy at Rolls-Royce, and we see the same at Airbus. There's a reason for that. It's because the order book is becoming weaker because the government haven't given that security. And by the way, actually, the taxpayer deserves a good deal on this. You know, We are giving money to companies who are paying out dividend payments to shareholders. We're giving out money to companies who are making far more staff redundant than they need to, to be honest, and they're using this better, you know, possibly uh, as an opportunity to downsize in the way they wanted to before COVID came. Uh, and actually, what we need to do is to have a deal that both supports the industry, but also looks after the interests of the nation and the taxpayer as well. And the fact that, you know, the value of the fact the government haven't been able to do that is a failure. And I'm afraid more jobs will be lost if they don't pull the finger out and do something proactively to support the industry. Do you specifically want a specific deal to save the aviation industry and basically prop them up for the longer period that you think it's going to take for them to recover? Yeah, so what we say is that because of the nature of our economy, 
uh, and the nature of the seasonality uh, of hospitality, tourism and aviation, it will naturally take longer for those industries to recover. So, for instance, why then have a two year repayment window where the loan has got to be repaid back when, say, in Spain, they're allowing five years, far more realistic in terms of how long it's going to take to recover and rebuild going forward. You know, if we're going to have a job retention scheme in place, make sure that there are conditions in place that jobs can be retained. You know, if you've been the beneficiary uh, of the UK safety net and you're not already a UK taxpayer, then repatriate your tax affairs and start paying into the system. Don't say that you've got no money in the company and then, as we've seen with EasyJet, pay £170 million out in dividend payments, don't take taxpayers' money, but then not give ticket refunds uh, to customers who have had their flights cancelled. Yeah. You know, there are some basic conditions that the government should have insisted on that they just failed to do. There are an awful lot of people I know who are saying, you know, they people who, you know, they get one flight a year, the one holiday they've saved up for, that I think the their flight's been cancelled, or they don't even know whether it's going to be cancelled or not. Um, and but they're still, you know, everything's up in the air. They have to book their holiday from work. They've saved up all year. That money is sitting in the bank accounts of the EasyJet the Ryanair's or wherever else and they can't get their money back and they are in dire financial circumstances themselves. What would Labour do to uh, sort that out? So we made an explicit condition of our aviation uh, rescue plan uh, where we would say you have to give back the money through ticket sales if the ticket has been cancelled. And so that would be one condition that we would uh, insist on as part of a deal. And I think the very fact now that hundreds of million pounds is actually going into airline operators but without those conditions I'm afraid is a failure uh, of government and the public do see that. You know, but critically, you know, the most important thing today is we cannot allow, you know, another stream of jobs to be lost. Not only is that devastating for the industry, but actually for many of our regional economies, they're significant employment bases. And when they're lost, you know, the economic damage that can be caused to whole communities is absolutely significant. And so when the Prime Minister says we'll level up and level up together, I'm afraid that just doesn't hold water. And the announcement yesterday by the Prime Minister, by the way, was absolutely pathetic. You know, if we're meant to be uh, in a war, then we need a martial plan, an ambitious plan to rebuild the nation. And that wasn't what we're seeing from the Prime Minister. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Now, let's uh, talk about, uh, well, build, build, build. That's what the Prime Minister uh, had written on the podium in front of him uh, when he spoke yesterday in Dudley in the West Midlands, pledging billions of pounds to build thousands of new homes, dozens of infrastructure projects, speeding everything up, uh, tackling the planning delays and all of that. Five billion was the only sum mentioned, which, um, let's face it, is a drop in the ocean when it comes to government spending and certainly on a major infrastructure project. But uh, what sort of projects should we be looking at? What is actually achievable and uh, what can be done in a short space of time to get as many people as possible back into jobs? Well, let's talk to Bridget Rosewell, CBE, who's Commissioner for the Independent National Infrastructure Commission. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. I mean, there were lots of fine words from the Prime Minister yesterday, but a lot of people saying... It's all very well, and you know, and, and yes, it's, it's showing a direction of travel and a statement of intent. But uh, if the government wants to announce major infrastructure projects, we are talking about multi, multi billions of pounds needed rather than just five billion. What do you make of it? Well, I think you've got to put the thing in context of what can be delivered over a particular time scale. And there's no point announcing large sums of money that actually nobody knows how to spend because that way you just get. Um, nobody knows quite what to do, you get waste. Five billion a year is actually a lot of money to spend on infrastructure projects. If you go on spending that every year, that's the kind of thing that will really build up in something useful. 
But the challenge is to make sure you've planned it properly and that you're doing useful stuff. Okay, I mean, this says shovel ready. Have you actually done all design, done all the work and, and, and are ready to get on with something that's actually feasible? Exactly. I mean, HS2 phase one, for example, I know many people are uh, uh, kind of find it uh, not necessarily yeah, you, a valuable thing. You, but had that to bring was, the, you had to bring the conversation that was down. Ready. That was shovel ready. <laughs> so uh, things that you can do quickly, bring forward quickly, are, the, are smaller stuff. So not the stuff you can spend megabucks on. Well, Road mending, rolling out more electric vehicle charging, energy efficiency programs, things that are fairly distributed and where there are companies already ready to be able to do them those are the sorts of things potholes yeah it looks looks rather i mean actually a lot of people do care a lot about the potholes that they, they, they absolutely do we've got like six billion pound backlogs and we haven't this is one of the issues with infrastructure well, projects are, isn't it there's so, a, there's, there's a the big hold on bridget ones, bridget hold on one second hold on a second because um, obviously did a bit of delay on the line and obviously talking uh, uh in uh, in the virtual world obviously we create some problems apologies for that but um but ministers government ministers often really like big projects they like the hs2s they like the, the euro tunnels and the and the the domes and things like that whereas actually what makes a real difference to to ordinary people going about their ordinary lives is 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 you know not having potholed roads repairs to schools local hospitals a lot of the projects which aren't quite as glamorous uh, don't perhaps uh, have so many photo opportunities but do make a real difference is that is those are the sort of projects you're talking about certainly those are the sorts of projects which you can get on with quickly and they are indeed very important but what we actually need is a balance of having both those small things, maintenance, keeping up with uh, the necessary um, spending and activities, but also making sure that you're you're still renewing and modernising the uh, the networks that you've got, whether that's transport, whether that's new forms of energy generation, um, all of the the big things matter too. But you do need to spend the money up front to make sure that you've planned them properly. Okay, well we know, we know broadband that, is a crucial aspect of things but uh, an awful lot of the projects that, are, that want to go ahead, I mean, they'll be concerned that, that, that when the government gets involved, when the public sector is involved, that actually pushes out the private sector, it can compete with the private sector when it comes to, um, you know, the specialists and the, and, the, and, and, the, and the workers and actually just pushes up costs for the private sector. Is there an argument that actually if you want to have a big building project you want to get people back to work, is the role of the government is to get out of the private sector's way rather than take over from the private sector? In practice you actually need a, a quite a bit of both. You need certainly public sector planning, support and, and all of those things, setting the frameworks in which you can make decisions is absolutely what the public sector does. But what it also needs to do is to provide the kind of certainty that enables contractors investors to plan and to train people in particular, provide the skills that uh, that we will need in order to take all of these programs forward into the long, uh, the medium and the longer term. That certainty which allows investment in skills, I think is one of the things that we really need to focus on, giving, not, giving making sure that over a 10, 20, 30 year period, which is what the Infrastructure Commission particularly looks at, we can give people the confidence that it's worthwhile investing in those skills. I think that's really important. Yes, absolutely. Although there is a concern that the areas, the sectors which are seeing the biggest hits um, in terms of job losses, retail, the leisure, hospitality sector, aviation, those people in doing those jobs, you know, being a barmaid one day or working in Topshop behind the till doesn't perhaps uh, set you up perfectly to go and work in a major construction project. Oh, how, how many of those skills are going to be transferable? 
the skills that are transferable are a willingness to adapt, obviously, and uh, on the other side of it, a willingness to provide the sorts of training that people can engage with. I don't think that's that's not beyond the wit of man or indeed woman. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.